The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast scenario is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is offering new users a $1,000 risk-free bet. Sign up today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash bet365. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app from ZHOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by GameTime. GameTime has last-minute tickets and the lowest prices guaranteed. Use promo code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently late Thursday night, November 9th. Number host, always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is semifinal time in Sofia and in Mets. So we're going to preview all four matches individually. Then we'll get into my favorite plays in the Lock and Dog segment at the end of the show. But before we get into any of that, got to do what we always do, which is recap what happened in the last episode. And I'll also briefly summarize the two tournaments we've seen up to this point. So starting off... With the Lock and Dog picks from the last episode, a reminder, we did separate episodes for the outrights in Mets and Sophia. Already recapped the Mets picks, we swept that, so that was a nice first round there. As for Sophia, ended up being fine. Wasn't as great, but still fine. Ended up winning the Lock and lost the Dog. We had Morozan, minus one and a half games at minus 145, and he ended up burying his opponent in the first round. Then for the Dog, ended up losing pretty easily as we headed Chicago Moneyline against Purcell. Wasn't very close. I can't even say at the end that I regret taking it because if you look at what happened after that match, Purcell was around minus 300 or so against a Turkish qualifier in Ilkel, and he lost. So we were right about Purcell being fade material. Unfortunately, he did the match after and not the match we expected, but either way, ended up winning the lock, so it could have been worse. As for the outrights, though, do have to recap the quarter plays and the outrights so far. For the quarters, we did really well in Sofia and really poorly in Mets. So starting off with Sofia... We won every quarter. We had Struff, we had Draper, we had Manorino, and we had Kotov. All four of them ended up winning. However, we would have made more money if Morozin got the job done against Struff because we had him as well at around 4-1, to one, and unfortunately, he fell just a bit short. So either way, we'll take getting all four right, but we could have made more money if Morozin did not lose in that third set. As for Mets, unfortunately, it did not go our way. So starting off with the... Quarters ended up having Umber. We got that one right. But kind of the same story as the Struf Morozin match. We were not actually rooting for Umber because you might remember we took a serious flyer with Mayotte, and Mayotte was plus 2,000. Plus 2,000 to win the quarter, and he lost in the quarterfinals. So you could have potentially hedged with the Umber money line if you wanted to secure an even bigger profit. Either way, though, we did win an outright there, but Mayotte at plus 2,000 would have been the victory lap of all victory laps. Didn't get it as he lost in a pretty competitive two-set affair. Besides that, though, that is where the good times ended because we got everything else wrong. So... First of all, for the actual outrights to win the tournament, we have nobody left, which is not a good sign. I went a little bit extra heavy on Kashanov, which hurt because his draw was so favorable, and then Dimenauer dropped, and it looked like it was going to be a cruise mission to get to the final. And then, unfortunately, Shevchenko was a guy who I've acknowledged recently being a good player, and I was hoping Kashanov would not totally fall apart, and he fell apart. He did not break at all in the match, lost 6-4, 6-4 as a pretty decent favorite. And that really annoys me because we had Kashanov quarter, went him to win the tournament, and a lot of the other 
main guys in that event lost. So you saw Bublik lose. You saw Sonigo lose. Uh, Demenauer dropped out. A lot of the main favorites lost or just ended up getting injured. And Shevchenko ended up ruining what could have been a very, very nice path for our main favorite there. Is what it is, though. I ended up once again getting a quarter, nothing else right. So the opposite of Sophia. Kind of weird, though, because even though we got all four quarters right, we actually didn't take any of the players to win the tournament besides Struff. So we got one person left in Sophia, and hopefully he gets the job done at a nice price for us. But either way, time to get into the actual quarterfinal matches. I mean, semifinal matches. Starting off with the order of the matches here, Sophia does start half an hour before Mets. So we're going to start off with Sophia. You have a good match on paper. You have Struff taking on Draper. Draper's a pretty big favorite, though, at minus 220. You have Struff at, at a plus 190. As for the games, Draper's minus 3.5 at minus 105. Struff is plus 3.5 at minus 115. Over-unders at 22.5. Unders minus 115. Overs minus 105. If you want to go for some set wagering, you can get Draper in straight sets at even money. Uh, Struff to win a set is minus 130. Match to go three sets is plus 150. So to go through the actual path of both players, Draper, I said before, was worthy of being a favorite if he could stay healthy. And that's why we did not take him. I recognize how good he is as a player, and he's been dominant so far. Ended up burying Martero, Musetti, and Ilkel in straight sets. Never really a sweat in any of them. Uh, as for Struff, he had a tough go of it against Morozin, but he ended up getting it done as he won that one in three, beat Harrison straight sets, and beat... Uh, but that was actually it. So the point is, Draper has looked more impressive, and I do think he's worthy of being favored in this spot. The question is, can Struff's dominant serve do enough to limit Draper's return game and potentially uh, break in his own right? Because Draper, despite being a good overall player does have some weakness with the serve. It's not an awful serve by any means, but I would say he lacks firepower. Let's put it that way, and you can definitely notice it when he plays. He's not afraid to keep the ball in play and to rally a bit, but I do feel like the serve can leave a little bit to be desired at times, especially if the first serve percentage does drop. So I think Struff is live to win this match, but do I think he's going to? Probably not. I think Draper's the better player. Once again, when healthy, Draper would have been my pick to win the event, but I just had too many questions about his durability all the time. I'm going to go with Draper here. I think that he's in line to win it. I do think my favorite play would be Draper team total over 12 and a half games at minus 135. That way, if you get a Struff tiebreaker in there and Dra uh, Draper wins the breaker, and then you just need six more games, or if he loses the breaker, then you just once again need seven games in this case, but Draper, as long as he doesn't lose in straight sets, should be able to go over this number. That's going to be my main lean. I'm going to go with Draper over 12.5 as a team total at minus 135. Uh, I'm going to lean to the over as well at 22.5. I don't feel great about it, though. I'd rather take the team total. And moving on to the next match, you have a matchup between Kotov and Manorino, and for this one, you have Manorino being a decent favorite here at minus 190. 90. Kotov is plus 165. Manorino is minus two and a half games and minus 120. Kotov plus two and a half games is at even money. If you want the three and a half, you can get that at minus 150. The over-under is at 23. The over is minus 107. The under is minus 113. 22 games, the over is minus 140. The under is plus 110. And if you want to go for the set wagering, uh, match to go three sets is plus 115. You can also get Manorino winning straight sets at plus 150. Kotov to win in straight sets is plus 375. So to go through the path of both players here that have never played in the head-to-head, -head, Kotov has had 
a pretty interesting path because he's gotten better as the ma as the uh, matches have gone on. Did lose the first set to Lazarov, relative unknown player in the first round. Came back and won the next two sets easily. Then played Baez, was down, and ended up winning the second set via tiebreak. And then Baez quit. He got injured and just decided no mas. He couldn't go on. And Kotov got the advancement. And then he ended up beating Fuksovic 6-3-7-6. So Kotov has gotten better. As the tournament has progressed, as for Manorino, he has been in a pretty interesting uh, spot here because Manorino has looked okay, but he hasn't played anybody, and that's why we ended up taking him to win the quarter. You might remember I was going to fade him, and then I looked at his actual path, and I had no choice but to take him at a plus-money price to win the quarter because he had Ramos Vinolas in the first match, and we know he's abysmal on hard court, and then he beat Offner. In three competitive match, lost the first set, then ended up winning the next two sets, 6-4, 6-3. But I do think when you're talking about who's had the tougher competition, it's probably Kotov. Now, it, it is a little bit even because Baez was compromised physically and ended up quitting. So Kotov beat Baez, but not really because Baez just quit. But beating Fuksovic in straight sets is more impressive, in my opinion, than beating Offner in three. So this match, in my opinion, should be pretty even. I understand the ranking is a huge... Is just, just There's a wide disparity uh, in ranking here. Manorino's 25th, Kotov is 80th. I do like Kotov's game, though, watching him play over the last couple of months. Now, I'm not saying that he's an amazing player, but I saw him make a deep run in Stockholm. He probably should have won the event, and then he choked away the second set to Monfi, and the rest was history. The point is, I do think that Kotov has the game to beat Manorino. There's a reason why this line for two and a half sets is plus 115 on the over. It's because they're expecting a very tough match, and I agree with that. But with that being the case, I think I have to lean to Kotov. I just think that when you're looking at the price of two and a half sets being that cheap and the money line for Manorino is minus 190, something doesn't add up. It just feels like Manorino's money line price is too high. I think it should be closer to minus 150, minus 160. So with that being the case, I think the value itself lies with Kotov. I'm going to take him on the money line at plus 165. I am going to lean to the over. I think he'll probably get three sets, and I, do, I, don't, I uh, don't mind the team totals here for both players. Manorino's at 12.5, over's minus 130. Kotov is at 12 at minus 115. I don't mind the over either, but I definitely see a long war between these players, and for that reason, I am going to go with the underdog to keep this extremely competitive at a pretty nice plus price. Now, moving on to Mets, we're going to look at a semifinal that nobody really expected. You have a matchup between... Uh, Herbert, and you have a matchup, but I might be uh, Air Bear. I, I'm trying to remember the pronunciation. It's been a while since he's actually been competitive in in uh, ATP singles. I think it's Herbert, if I'm not mistaken. So Herbert is taking on Chivchenko. Chivchenko is a worthy favorite of minus 205, and you have uh, er, you have Herbert at plus 175. You have Chivchenko minus two and a half games at minus 115, and you have Herbert plus two and a half games at minus 105. Over under is a 23. Over is minus 105. Under is minus 115. And if you want to go for some uh, set wagering, you can get the over two and a half sets at plus 135. Uh, Herbert to win a set is minus 160. And Shevchenko to win in straight sets is a plus 130. Now, I said a second ago, I think Shevchenko is a worthy favorite. And it definitely makes a lot of sense because he's been in great form lately. And Herbert was mostly in challenger events, and then he got in as a wild card, and he's taken advantage of a pretty, I don't want to say easy draw, but a fortunate draw, because he was supposed to face off against Dimenauer. That did not happen, because he ended up facing off against Brower instead, because Dimenauer dropped. He beat a relative unknown in the first round in a Kazo, 
Then he beat Brower, and then he was supposed to potentially face off against Walrenka. Walrenka got injured while having match point against Vanasha, and Vanasha got the win via retirement, and Vanasha ended up losing in three sets. I think Vanasha's fine. I don't think he's a great player. I think Walrenka probably would have beaten her bear, but unfortunately for Walrenka, he rolled his ankle and had to quit. But I do think looking at this actual spot, the argument is the home crowd. Because Herbert has definitely taken advantage, uh, taken advantage of the crowd support, and we saw a Frenchman versus a Frenchman in the last round that Herbert was in. Now he's against the Russian, so the crowd support will be heavily on Herbert. I also like his game in general. He was a pretty solid singles player, not amazing before the injuries. Very good doubles player, though. But you're looking at his ability to serve to a volley, great volleyer on tour, and I do think that you're looking at Shevchenko off of a big win against Kashanov, where he played, I don't want to say perfectly, but he didn't get broken in the entire match after having an absolute war against Valkuz in the round before that. So I do think you're looking at a spot where maybe Shevchenko is a little bit overvalued. I think he's worthy being a favorite. But if you want to make a case for Herbert with the home crowd, I'm not going to dispute it. Now, do I think that Herbert is going to win? Probably not, but I do think he can keep this match competitive. And I think it's pretty weird that Herbert to win a set is minus 160, but the match to go three sets is plus 135. That doesn't really check out, in my opinion. For that reason, I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 135. I think Shevchenko is going to win. But I see it being very competitive, and I do think that it's going to be a little bit in flux in the latter stages. But I think Shevchenko eventually maintains his nerve, and I do think he's the better singles player than Herbert in general. So give me Shevchenko and Herbert over two and a half sets at plus 135. Now moving on to Umber, that's why it gets tricky, because you have Herbert and Umber in the same tournament in the semis. So you have Umber taking on Fognini. I got to check something quickly. No, that is not a typo. Fognini actually made a semifinal in the ATP in 2023. Good for him. I've been fading him for most of the year. He's been injured to hell and back, but it's nice to see him play well. Very impressive wins. Beat Bublik in three sets and buried Sonigo on Thursday, which was kind of shocking. But either way, Umber has been playing pretty good tennis in general. We thought that he would make a somewhat deep run, but a 5-1, to one, we did think the price was a little bit cheap, and it turns out it wasn't. Now, Umber had a three-set war against Team. Team loses every th- every deciding set he's in, as far as I'm concerned. I've seen the same Team script for the last, I don't even know, seven months, and he loses all the time in a painful fashion in the third set. But Umber won, and then he beat Mayat in the next round. So Umber has really not played anybody worth a damn at this point. No offense to Team. But team's not the same guy that he used to be, and I have to at least point out that Umber has really not beaten great competition at this point. Now, they could work in his benefit, because Fagnini ended up having a straight-set war against Seaboth Wild, which went 7-6-7-6. Then he beat Bublik down a set and ended up winning uh, 7-6-7-6 in the final two sets. And then he beat Sonigo 6-1-6-2, which came out of nowhere, but Fagnini buried him. Now, it makes sense that Umber is a massive favorite at minus 400. Fagnini is plus 325. As for the game spread, you can get four and a half at plus 105 in favor of Umber, minus four and a half. Fagnini plus four and a half is minus 123. Over-under is at 21 and a half games. The over is minus 115. Under is minus 105. If you want to go for some set wagering, match to go three sets is plus 160. Umber to win in straight sets is minus 125. Fagnini to win in straight sets, and Fagnini to win a set is minus 105, and Fognini to win in straight sets is plus 650. 
Now, to go through the head-to-head, they have faced off one time. It was in Rome on clay back in 2020, and Umber did win 7-5-7-6. Does that mean anything? Not really, and also kind of. It's kind of a weird tweener spot because Umber did beat Fognini when Fognini was not totally past his prime. Once again, three years ago, on Fognini's favorite surface, because Fognini's always been a guy that's thrived on clay, pretty decent on grass as well, and hardcourt as well. He's a good overall player, but clay has definitely been his best surface throughout his entire career. And Fognini lost in straight sets. It was competitive, but the point is a young Umber was able to beat Fognini on his favorite surface. So I do think Umber maybe has a particular game that can give Fognini problems. He's a lefty, and he kind of hits with a very unique style. I don't really see many players playing like Umber. Maybe it's just based on the actual uh, form on the forehand-backhand. But I do think Umber has the advantage here, rightfully so. Home country guys, the crowd support's going to be there for him as well. Fognini did a great job against Sonigo, but I've mentioned this before, that sometimes... When you see a player, an unexpected player, make a deep run, and he plays a perfect match, basically the best match you could possibly play, it's a good spot to fade him in the following match because it's pretty much impossible for him to repeat exactly what he just did in the previous round. And I think it's pretty telling that despite Fognini beating Bublik and Sonigo, two of the favorites, including the uh, two finalists from last year, because you might remember Bublik and Sonigo face each other, in the final here. It is pretty telling that despite Fognini beating both those guys, including a straight set win against the defending champion, he's still plus 325. I think Umber is going to win. I think he probably wins in straight sets. I'm rooting for Fognini because Fognini actually making a final and winning a title would be very, very fun. And I do like Fognini as a player back when he was in his prime. The issue is I'm also trying to make money, and Fognini's been a great fade for most of the year. But I have to at least point out that Fognini had a great match but I do think the odds suggest he's going to come back down to earth. Give me Umber to win this match, probably in straight sets. But I do think if you want to talk about where the value might be, I don't mind the under at 22 and a half games. It's going to sound dangerous because Fognini's gone to a bunch of breakers so far in this event. But Fognini is not really a great server, and that's going to be the issue that he's going to deal with moving forward. And that's been the issue for most of his career, which is why he's been so good on clay. I do think Umber is going to win. And I think he's going to win probably in straight sets. So I think if I'm going to try to reduce the juice... Actually, no, it's not even reducing the juice. I think I'll just go with the straight sets of minus 125. You can probably find a better line elsewhere. I'll check uh, right before we end up going to the luck and dog picks to make sure. But I do think that Umber to win in straight sets is probably the look. Be based on where the line is located, and it does seem like based on selective recall by me, when you have a long shot making a dream run off of a phenomenal match, the best match you could possibly play... He's usually going to struggle the match after because he can't duplicate that same form. I see that happening. Give me Umber in straight sets at minus 125. That's going to wrap it up for the actual semifinal previews. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before we continue that, I can have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favorite sportsbook trusted by over 88 million players 
worldwide. Props, sides, totals, live betting, Bet365 has you covered. And if you like boosts, you're going to love Bet365 because they have a 30% profit boost on your NFL same game parlay. Plus, they even have an early payout offer if your team goes up 17 points. Sign up today and choose from two bonus offers, either a $1,000 free bet safety net or bet $5 and get $150 in bonus bets. Just head to sportsgampockets.com slash bet365, sportsgampockets.com slash bet365. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside of your football team all season long. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little money over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And a reminder, when you sign up, use the promo code SGPN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. And especially now with college basketball season starting, there are a lot of games, maybe locally for you, that you can go see. And you want a place that you can trust to actually get tickets. And I recommend Game Time because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And my personal favorite feature on the app is the images of seat views. I'm sure all of us can relate to a time where we got tickets to an event and we were looking forward to it. And then as soon as we sat down in our seats, we realized we made a horrible a horrible mistake. Our view was obstructed. And suddenly, you were looking forward to actually seeing something you paid for and then you couldn't see anything because there was a beam or something in front of you and you realize you potentially wasted some money. Well, that's not going to happen with game time because they will show you with this feature the exact view you're going to get before you spend any money on that seat. But also, Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So sign the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Down game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, MLB, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. So researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the semifinal matches in Sofia and in Mets. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to the first match we talked about on the show. I am going to go with the Draper team total. I'm going to go with him over uh, 12 and a half games at minus 135. Simply put, it's really tough to avoid because we know Struff is a very good server, not a great returner, and Struff has been involved in a bunch of tiebreakers recently. So even if I do think Draper's going to win... I don't see him completely just steamrolling Struve. I think Struve's serve is good enough to neutralize some of Draper's great return game, and I do think that you will see probably at least one breaker in this match. But just for reference here, Struve has gone to at least one tiebreaker in each of his last three matches, 
and in five of his last six matches. So he's been involved in a bunch of tie breaks, and I do think that Draper might be put into a spot where there is a set that's a 7-5 or a 7-6. And if that's the case and Draper wins that set, he wins the match and you're good. He also did end up going to a 7-5 set against Musetti. So he has had one competitive setup to this point, but beating Marterra and Ilkel doesn't really mean much at this point. Marterra is an okay win, but I do think that Struff is much better on hard court than Marterra and Ilkel. And I do think that as a result, Struff's serve will be a new, I'd say, weapon that Draper's going to have to deal with. And I think he might struggle early on in the first set in particular with that serve. But I think when you're looking at the expected, I'd say, script for this match, Draper wins. One set's competitive. The other's probably not. If I had to guess, probably a 7-6-6-3 if I had to price it myself for an exact outcome. But I do think that looking at Draper, I actually found minus 125. So I'm going to take that instead. But I do think looking at Draper to win this match, which he should at minus 220, but reducing the juice by basically a dollar in exchange for one competitive set, I definitely think is a worthy exchange. Give me Draper team total over 12 and a half games at minus 125 as my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go to the Shevchenko and uh, Urbear match. I'm going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 135. Simply put, Shevchenko's been in good form recently. We saw him beat Fritz, for example, a couple weeks ago in a separate event. But I do think that uh, Urbear, with the crowd support, has really gone on a bit of a dream run, and he was in good form in the challenger circuit before making the leap back to ATP. He ended up making a deep run in Berjamo before losing to Lajal, who's a pretty good young player. But you're looking at how he's done in Mets. He's had a pretty easy path, but the home crowd is going to support him, and I do think that Shevchenko has been vulnerable at times, and he has gone to a decent amount of three sets. Now, he went to three sets against Valkuz in his, first, in his second match here after beating Borg, into the first round in uh, straight sets. Competitive, though, 6-4-7-5. Went to three sets against uh, Felix. Went to three sets against Fritz in Basel. Also went to three sets against Fognini. I think you're looking at what could be a competitive match, and I do think it's telling once again that Urbear is minus 160 to win a set, and yet match to go three sets is plus 135. I'm not picking Urbear to win straight sets, so I think if he does take a set, it's going three, and I'll take a better deal of about 95 cents. So once again, the lock and my picks for the show, the lock is going to be on Draper, team total over, 12 and a half games at minus 125, and my dog will be Shevchenko and Urbear over, two and a half sets at plus 135. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're back once again for the final matches in of Mets and in Sofia. Until then, find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on a bunch of podcasts at the network. Find me on the NBA show. Find me on the NFL show. You get the point. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.